No one is past redemption, regardless of who they are, what they've done, or where they're from. I'm Femi Osaban, a preacher for the Church of Christ. No matter our opinion of a people or their history, God still offers them redemption in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, man would like to determine who they think are appropriate persons to hear the gospel based on their understanding of who they are or where they're from. In John 4, Jesus shows us through his interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well that his message is for all, no matter what their past is or where they're from. When we approach people like Jesus did, we do not take into account who they are in the world, only who they could be in Christ. I hope this message causes you to have a wider view of who you would consider sharing the gospel with. Using physical eyes to see spiritual potential in people and places will lead you to being blind to what God can do with those people in those places. You see, John 3.17, Jesus tells Nicodemus that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. But God actually came to bring eternal life to those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Many people allow themselves to be put into categories to where they believe that they're past redemption because either world, the people that they think care about them, or even themselves say they're not redeemable. They're not worthy of love. That God doesn't want to have a relationship with them based on what they have done in the past. And that such is not the case. You see, God does want to redeem us. God does love us. And God does want to have a relationship with us, evident in the fact that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to remove the sin that separate us from him. You see, after Jesus had told Nicodemus this love that God has for us, Jesus demonstrates it with this woman at a well in the fourth chapter of John. This lady had a messy situation in her life. She had five husbands and was shacking up with a man that was not her husband. But Jesus saw enough in her to make a special stop so that he could tell her that salvation had come to her and wasn't worried about who she was before they met because he knew who she could be after they encountered each other. You see, when the gospel comes into any person's life, no matter what they had done before they heard the gospel, they have an opportunity to change, accept that gospel, and be saved, no matter how people look at them, no matter what they have done. Because God deems everybody worthy of salvation. God loves each and every person that he has blessed to see life. And he has proven it in the fact that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. I'm going to start reading chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, starting at the fifth verse. 
And I'm going to just stop when I get to a good point to stop. Just follow along. <laughs> then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor ye at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto them am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man asked, what seeketh thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat? is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye that there are four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. 
And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labor. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this Indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus' approach in John chapter 4 brought many people to belief because he didn't look down on the person he came into contact with in Samaria. It would have been easy to look down upon that woman who had five husbands, who was at this well at an opportune time for her because at the appropriate time to draw water, all the other women met, and I'm pretty sure they just had one husband. They lived the exemplary life to where people didn't ridicule them or talk about them or ostracize them for the decisions that they made because they presented the image where all Samaritans wanted to be. But this woman, five husbands, shacking up with the man right now, goes out and draws water in the heat of the day. I recently started renting a house and I was told I gotta cut that lawn. I ain't cut grass since I was a kid. I made a mistake and cut that grass in the heat of the day. <laughs> when I'm leaving in the morning at times, I see people cutting grass in the cool of the morning. It made a whole lot of sense when I was cutting it in the heat of the day. <laughs> This woman is getting water in the heat of the day. And if you've ever had to carry gallons of water, you know how heavy that is. And so she's doing a laborious task in the heat of the day because at a time when she's supposed to do it, she gets shamed and ridiculed and ostracized because she has not lived up to the standards of her society. So it's easier to wrestle with the sun and the uncomforts of the elements than it is to wrestle with her fellow people, citizens of her city, because she's an outcast. But Jesus must needs go to Samaria to meet her at the heat of the day at that well when she went to get water when nobody else was there. And if we think about Samaria, we'll remember that Samaria was not a place that the Jews held in high esteem. If you just go back to 2 Kings 17 and you just read about the downfall of the Israel nation and it gets to talking about this city, Samaria, when it was overtaken by the Assyrians, that they moved all these people in from all these other lands that they had conquered and they started worshiping all of their gods. So much so to the, fact, to the point that God sent lions to Samaria to trouble the people who had forsaken him, 
who had taken on this idolatrous worship, who was not living up to the standard that God wanted. And so they had to go get a priest who was from Israel to teach them the ways of God. And when this priest taught them the ways of God, they listened to the point to where the lion stopped, but they did not wholeheartedly follow Jesus. And so they feared the Lord and worshiped their idols. Those from Jerusalem knew that the Samaritans had mixed up religion. They knew that they were half-breeds, and they looked down on them because of that. And here we have the Messiah, the Christ, from Jerusalem to this place, to where the Samaritan knows, y'all don't mess with us. We don't believe the same thing. Our Bible stops at Deuteronomy. We don't got the writings, the prophets, the history, and all that other stuff you got in your Bible, because that points to Jerusalem being the place of worship. And we believe that Samaria is the place to worship, but Samaria is not what God called his people. Because when Israel was established in Jeroboam's days, he used that opportunity to draw God's people away from him. And ever since then, they were off course. And so the Jews knew this was a place that was prevalent with sin. This was a place where people were mixed up as they followed God. And this was not where God had made a promise to establish correct worship. But Jesus knew that that wasn't past redeeming, that that was a place to where he had people that would prick, be pricked in the hearts and follow him. I must need go to Samaria. He goes there and meets the woman. When he's ascending to heaven, he tells them, you take this gospel to Samaria. And in Acts 8, the gospel is received in Samaria and people believe. You see, no matter how we see a city, how we see a people, how we see a nation, how we see other parts of the world that are not Christian places, God sees it different. And when we look at it with our eyes, we see the sin, we see the fallen state, we see how far they're away from God, we see what we don't want to be. But what does God see? He sees that there is somebody in there who will obey my word, who will believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that they are worth redeeming that they're worth bringing this message to because no matter how the world sees them, no matter what they have done in the past, they still can obtain salvation. Our focus on the place should not be based upon how we solely see it in its present condition. If we look at Memphis right now, if we look at Tennessee, America, this continent, this world, and we just look at it from our point of view, we'll say, man, God, come now. Nobody's going to get right because what they've done in the past. These people aren't worth redeeming because these people don't live in love. These people have mismanaged relationships that they've been in. But the way that God sees this is, hold on. I saved you. You weren't always perfect. You weren't always what I called you to be. And I knew that I had placed something in you that would respond appropriately to the gospel. And there's other people out there who will respond appropriately to the gospel. So let's wait before we pass judgment on them because Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to save. Where does the condemnation come in? Those that do not believe. 
that condemn themselves. We don't got to. All we have to do is present the message of Christ. Jesus had an itinerary to go through Samaria. And as you read it, all he did was meet one person, but he met the right person who went back, accepted that this was the Messiah. And she tells everybody in her city a simple yet effective approach. Just present the truth and it will bear results. Jesus didn't try to wow her with Samaritan history and how they had been so wrong. And I'm going to give you evidence on top of proofs upon how the Jews are correct. No, he said, we are right. But there's going to be a time when neither here or there is where we worship because where God is calling us is to truth and spirit. You're getting caught up in place. I'm trying to be in your heart. I'm trying to lead you to truth. And when we mix up the simplicity of the gospel and try to couple it with other things, we're going to mess it up. Samaritans, they messed it up. Jeroboam said, if I allow these people to go and worship in Jerusalem, I'm going to lose them because they're going to have affinity for God and they're going to remember that the temple is in Jerusalem and not in Israel and they're going to turn their heart from me. So let me do something from a man's point of view that makes this worship easier for you. Something that you like. I got options. You could go here. You could go there. We're going to worship a calf like everybody else is doing. I'm going to make it easy for you. But God said, no. You got one place to go. I don't care where you are as my people. You got one place to go. And you make sure that you're there at that appropriate time. And when we make it palatable for people, we mess up the word of God. We complicate it. Think about how we present the gospel. What does the world tell you? If you want to reach people with the gospel, package it up. Put a backpack with it. Have a fellowship meal. Pay a bill. Do something in addition to telling the truth of the gospel. That's not where the power is. The power is in telling people that Jesus Christ is the son of God and standing on that truth and allowing God's word to penetrate their hearts and do its work. It's not in anything that we figure is smart enough to get people to hear the message. And we must be able to stand upon that and have the faith that it's God's word alone that's going to save people and not all presenting it, packaging it up in a way that the world, that the world wants it. Because what happens? When you put a bow on it, make it pretty, they still don't take it. You could give away all the backpacks in the world. We could feed everybody in Memphis every day of the year. And if they don't have a heart for God, still not going to accept the message. Or you could present that message with nothing else. And a person that has a heart for God is going to take that message and they're going to allow that message to change their lives. Question, how do you see the world? You see the world as something that's past redemption? Do you see people so far gone that you can't do anything for them like most Jews saw Samaria. Well, I would challenge you to try God's way. Very simple 
is very basic. All you got to do is present scripture to people and see if it changed their lives. Because I believe that if we go out in faith and let God be God, he will not let his word go out void. Samaria started off wrong, but Jesus saw enough in Samaria to make it a point to go through there and make sure that his disciples went there after he left this earth so that they could be saved. It was worth redeeming. And so is every other nation, city, people on this planet. But we can't look at them with earthly eyes. We have to have a spiritual approach as we look at people and places. And as you do that, you must have confidence in the message of God. You must know that all it takes is one person going out in faith and they can have the impact that God wants them to have. Scripture is replete with examples of one person standing up with God and God making sure that his message does not go out void. Moses. He gets help. But Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. What happens? Pharaoh let God's people go. It was through some struggle, but it took Moses standing up and constantly going back and telling them that God said, what you're trying to do is not going to suffice and you need to let them go as God says. And God's going to guarantee that it happens. He did. One person. You read the prophets. In a lot of situations, they were standing up by themselves, proclaiming to God's people that you guys are going to perish and you're going to face God's wrath because you're not doing what God wants. And they had the gumption to stand up on their own and speak God's truth, even when they were ridiculed, persecuted, ostracized, looked down on, said they were lying. But they went out with the faith in God that God's message was enough. And it was because everything that God told them to say came true. And we must believe the same thing and go out and tell this world that the gospel is what's going to save people and nothing else and believe that. John the Baptist in the wilderness by himself, how John starts his gospel off talking about this man who was not the light, but he was showing people the light had a message that repentance was necessary and the kingdom of God is near. And those who he talked to that believed him, what did they do? They left him and started following Jesus Christ because John had faith that his message would be validated by God and it was. The woman at the well, she went back to her city and said, come meet the Messiah. This man told me everything about myself. What happens? They came. If we go out and tell the people God's word, God will make sure that his word does not go out void. We just got to be willing to do it because one person can make a difference in a city, in a nation, in a family, at your work site, at a congregation where God's people meet, one person can have such an impact that it challenges people and they turn their attention to what God is calling us all 
Two, we can have an impact if we allow God to impact us. You see, the right person can have influence. But if you're looking at that person with human eyes, you might miss them. If we was looking at that woman at the well with our own eyes, we would have overlooked her. Because we would have said, oh, that's that lady with five husbands. She can't be committed because she has broken five vows and now she's with somebody else. How can she commit to the savior of the world if she can't even commit to a fellow man? But that's not how Jesus saw. Because he wasn't looking at what she had been through. He was looking at where she was going to go with the belief that she had in him. And all she did was tell the people, I have come into contact with the Messiah. What will happen if you tell the people you have come into contact with the Messiah? Don't allow yourself to be a prisoner of your past because we all got one. It's easy to say that they won't listen to me because they know what I was doing before I came into the the church. They're going to judge me on based on what we used to do together. But no, if you speak God's word and let that stand for itself, they're going to have to combat God's word. And if you really believe it, you won't look the same as you did before you were baptized. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be like, you're something similar to what I knew, but you're not doing the same things that we used to do. What about you changed? And you tell them, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And my belief has caused me to act on that. And I know that I was different before I got baptized. But since baptism, I'm a new creature in Christ. And let that be that. You see, Jesus had to go through Samaria because there was something worth redeeming. It was this lady at the well when nobody else was there. At the worst time of the day to get water from the well. But he looked past who she was because he saw what she could be. When Jesus died on the cross, God had a mind to save mankind. And dare I say, he looked past who you were and saw who you could be when he sent his message to you. And you believed it to some extent evident in the fact that you're sitting here right now. I say, if you haven't wholeheartedly accepted that message, embrace it in its totality and let it move you to do what God is calling all men to do, which is to reflect this message of Christ into the world and live as one who has put faith in Christ Jesus. Because we're worth redeeming. You're worth redeeming. Christ redeemed you on the cross. Live in appreciation of that redemption. And how do we live in appreciation of that redemption? Well, it's an interesting ending to this story. The disciples, Jesus has sent them to get something to eat. They come back and he's talking to the Samaritan woman, who I'm pretty sure they wouldn't even talk to because they understood the dynamics between Samaritans and Jews. And they say, hey, uh, she's going to defile me. So I'm going to keep my distance 
But Jesus had to go because he needed to meet this woman who was going to sow seeds in the city. And so they don't say nothing about why are you talking to this woman? They ask him, did somebody bring him something to eat? They're worried about the physical. They're looking at it with earthly eyes. But as they're thinking about the earthly side of life, Jesus tells them there's a harvest that needs to be reaped. There are people who have sown in this harvest, and it's your job to reap something that you did not sow. And as he's telling them this, this woman is back sowing seeds in Samaria, and he tells them that don't say four months until the harvest is ready. I tell you, the harvest is ready now. And I could just imagine they're sitting there talking to Jesus, confused that he doesn't want to eat this food and that he has some spiritual food that he has been fed by God, and he see all these people coming back. Why? Because the harvest is ready now. The woman went and sowed the seed and it had immediate results. And all that was needed now was for the results to be reaped. We don't know when that seed is going to take root and grow. We just got to be ready to reap it. It'd be just like that or it could take some time. But we have to be ready to reap it. And what God has called us into is to be workers in his vineyard. We're either sowing seeds or we're reaping. We're waiting for God to add the increase. So as they're sitting here and being being told by Jesus that they have a task to do, they get a very practical in the moment lesson with all these people coming from this city to where they and their carnal mind will look down upon and say that they're not worth redeeming. They're Samaritans, and nothing good is in Samaria. They don't even share dishes, so how can Jesus ask this woman for a drink? Because Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Who is it that you don't talk to? Who is it that you just write off when you see them? That could be the very one that God sends to you to reap. So you have to be willing to be accepting that God is calling us to work and we don't get to choose when is the time to reap. We don't get to choose when is the time to sow. We have to be ever ready to work, ever accepting of people because we can't look at somebody and tell if they're going to accept this gospel or not. I'm pretty sure if somebody, people would have seen us before now, before we had our Sunday best on, they would have looked at us and said, hey, I'm not going to tell you because you're not going to believe this message of Christ. You're not going to believe the good news that I got for you. Let me go and talk to somebody who looks like me, who acts like me, because I can relate to them. God relates to us all. So God, Jesus tells them, you guys need to be ready to sow. I mean, you need to be ready to reap because others have sown. And you're going to enter into the harvest and you have to work. And I wonder, as we read this story and connect it to Acts chapter 8, where Peter and John go down to Samaria. Did they see some of the people that they saw at this well who had believed that Jesus was the Christ? Did they recognize the lady maybe as she come and she's baptized and they accept the gospel and get entered into the church because now they have the full message of salvation? Was there people that said, hey, I remember you from that day on the well. You was with the Messiah. 
And they rejoiced from the fact that they took time out of their lives and came to their city and told them the truth. And as we think about the possibilities of a Peter and a John recognizing Samaritans as they go back because Jesus has told them that you need to take this gospel to Samaria, think about yourself. The person who planted, the person who reaped the word of God in your life, if they saw you now, 10 years from now, would they say that they put in good efforts in you, that you produce good fruits, that you were worth taking out time to give this message of Christ, or would they say you still need to grow? You haven't fully reached maturity And let me tell you deeper this message of Christ. If you're sowing, the people that you sow this message into, if you see them 10 years from now, would you say, I did a good deed in teaching you the gospel because I could see how it took root? Or would you say, ah, they're not quite ready. Let me go and try to plant a little bit more. Let me go and try to invest a little bit more so that they understand this gospel message. Because we can do a lot of work for things under this sun. And you read Ecclesiastes and and, and Solomon gets to talking about all the work, the efforts that you could put into efforts under the sun. And he concludes and it says, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. What Jesus told them, you need to be sowing, you need to be reaping. And to help us do that, he's given each and every person that has been baptized spiritual gifts for the upbuilding of his kingdom. You know how you sow and you reap? Work within those gifts that God has given you. We don't have to do it all. We just got to do our part. And when we do our part, it all comes together. The disciples, they went to the same city the lady went to. They brought back meat. She goes and brings back souls. What are we focused on? As I look across this crowd, most of the people, I believe, are baptized. Those who are not baptized, my question is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because that belief is going to lead you to obedience, and that obedience is repentance and baptism. Being added to the church, the only way that we can be saved is to be a part of the body of Christ. If you die outside of that body, you have no salvation. That's the simple truth. Very basic thing, baptism and obedience. But that's what saves us. If you're not willing to do that, then you really haven't the faith that brings you to salvation. Those of us who have been baptized, are we doing our part in working in God's kingdom? We all have a spiritual gift. If we haven't found it out, we need to spend more time studying and asking God to reveal it to us so that we can be about our father's business. And when we're about our father's business, we do our part in this congregation and trust that God is having each and every other person do their part. We will start seeing the benefits that God wants us to see. It might not look like a bigger group numerically, but it might be a stronger group spiritually because we're all doing what God would have us to be. We're going out and we're representing Christ truthfully, honestly, and spiritually in a dark world. Let's not overlook anybody that we come into contact with and be willing to share the gospel with each and every person because the one that we think is not gonna catch it, 
or be the one that goes out and teaches a group that we don't want to talk to. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.